Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. And this is number 641, which means we are just nine weeks away from the 650th show, 13th anniversary, coming in July. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer the effects of dextrogastria if you upset my stomach with the idea that you missed this week's show. Multi-generational technology teaching. If you have folks spanning the generations working or volunteering for your nonprofit, you may have noticed they learn technology differently. Lauren Hopkins shares the strategies for teaching tech across the generations. She's from Prepared to Impact, LLC. And Goals Aligned with Technology. Step back from your technology decisions before you buy the shiny new apps. What are your goals for the tech? And how does the tech support your overall goals? Jet Winders from Heller Consulting helps you think through it all. These both continue our coverage of N10's 2023 Nonprofit Technology Conference. On Tony's Take 2, share, share, that's fair. We're sponsored by DonorBox. With intuitive fundraising software from DonorBox, your donors give four times faster, helping you help others DonorBox.org. Here is multi-generational technology teaching. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 23NTC, the Nonprofit Technology Conference. We are at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver, where we are sponsored by Heller Consulting, technology strategy and implementation for nonprofits. With me in this meeting is Lauren Hopkins. She is social impact consultant at Prepared to Impact LLC. Lauren Hopkins, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Pleasure. <laughs> I, I love your topic. We're talking about teaching technology skills in a multi-generational workplace. Yes. Um, I'm the baby boomer. You're a millennial. I am. <laughs> and we will try to bring in a couple of other gens as well. We don't want to exclude Gen X. I know sometimes, sometimes, does Gen X sometimes feel a little left out? Are, are they? I don't think they feel no? left out. I don't think so. Okay. As long as we uh, provide the tools, I don't think so. Okay. Um, and Gen Z, of course. Uh, yes. We're not going any younger than that. Now, we do have the traditionalists um, younger, or I'm sorry, older than the baby boomers. And we discussed that in my session. Oh, okay. The traditionalists. Traditionalists, yes. Okay. Because I'm a young boomer at 61. <laughs> yes. Where does traditionalists start? I believe the traditionalists, if I recall, about 78. Okay. Well, there still are some seventy-eight-year-olds in the workplace. Yeah, a little especially bit. Especially returning to uh, returning to work, perhaps yeah. second career. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Thank you. I don't want to leave out. Any, <laughs> I don't want to leave out anybody. All right. Yes. Traditionalists. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's just give us you know give us like overview. Why did you? Uh, why do you feel we're not doing as well as we could in, in training the, across the generations? Yeah. Well, you know so. I really enjoy teaching technology skills. I started out, I'm a social worker, and I started to um, teach technology skills in various sectors. And so, Department of Social Services, teaching um, software implementation, and then I went to AFLAC, teaching the same thing, and um, in the nonprofit field. And I really feel as though we have individuals within, within the various generations that still have a lot to learn. And depending on the, um, the learning styles, their learning needs are very different. And so the strategies that we use to teach the technology could vary based upon the generations. Mm-hmm. So when you say they're learning needs, you mean they're starting in different places? Starting in different places different and their learning styles as well. Learning styles, okay. Mm-hmm. Comfort? 
Maybe yes, just, their comfort. Yep, okay. and um, and the the tools and the strategies that we will use to reinforce some of that learning, um, some of the activities and such may be different based upon the um, the generation. Mm-hmm. One of your takeaways is uh, learning how people value training differently. Yes. How they value it differently. That was interesting. Yes. What, what I, I'm not. I, I don't think of valuing training. So I'm I'm obviously uh, not in the mainstream. So that's why I'm talking to you, because I need help. So how do people value it differently across the ages? Well, if you think about it, um, with some of the, with the baby boomers and with the traditionalists, they genuinely want to learn. Um, They just may need some some help along the way. Where we think of millennials and the Gen Zs, it's sort of as if um, they're just expecting for the information information. to be provided to them. And so we just want to make sure that we're providing the information that they need to be to be successful. So it really, um, it depends on mm, how the information is provided um, that their values may change. Okay, mm. okay. Um, you have some techniques to talk about for- Yes. Uh, for training across. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's let's dive in. Let's <laughs> okay. Not, don't sell short now on nonprofit radio listeners. Don't don't don't, leave, don't hold out. Yeah, I got you. Uh, okay. I got what you. Uh, what's what's the technique? Which which one? What should we start with? Let's start off with the traditionalists. Okay. Yes. Okay. So with the traditionalists, one thing that we do well with the traditionalists and the baby boomers, we want to make sure that we are um, providing step by step tools and strategies um, for them to be successful. So if you are training on some technology skills, make sure that you do have the step by steps with screenshots available, and really encourage them too to go ahead and print that out. So within the training, if your training is virtual or if it's in person, they can follow along really well. Also, we want to make sure, to the best of your ability, if we do have someone of a younger generation, that maybe we can partner them together with someone of an older generation, and they can um, they can assist in the learning process. Oh, so you mean both are students? Both, exactly. Both, exactly. Both learning. Yes, both learning. yes. Okay. If both are learning, because we're talking okay. about a multi-generational workplace. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so... Um, and also with the baby boomers and the traditionalists, they both prefer to learn within a traditional um, in-person classroom setting, but we know that that's not always possible. And so we want to make sure that we are um, making some accommodations to ensure that they are getting the information in the best way that they receive it, um, the best way that we can. Okay, so in-person is better for the older folks better and well let me say preferred it's preferred for them okay um the research shows Mm -hmm. okay preferred it's their preferred method yes but may not be possible right how do you how do you like to learn do you prefer virtual as a baby boom you say you're baby boom right? right so do you prefer to learn um virtually or in in person as far as if you're learning new technology skills. Yeah, well, I have a two-part answer to that. The <laughs> first is, I generally don't like it when guests turn the tables <laughs> and, and put me on the spot. That's the first, that's the first answer. I love it. Uh, but the second answer, I will go along with you, is, uh, no, I prefer in I'd much rather be in okay. person. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I also prefer speaking to in-person audiences. Um, I prefer in-person interviews like this. Yes. I mean, I have to do most of them over Zoom. Okay. Because the guests are from all over the country. Right. And I live in North Carolina, but... Um, why are you in North Carolina too? I am from I'm from North Carolina. From North Originally, Carolina. I now live in South Carolina. Oh, where are you? Where are you from? I'm North Carolina? from Hickory, and then I went to undergrad in High Point, and I also lived in Wilmington. Okay. Yeah. Of those three, I'm the closest to Wilmington. I live in Emerald Isle. Nice. You know the little beach town. I it's do. About an hour and a half above. Wilmington. Yes, I do. Okay. I love it. Right. Small world. Where's Hickory? I don't know where Hickory <laughs> oh, is. Oh, Hickory. It is at the foothills. And so it is about an hour from Charlotte and about an hour and a half from Asheville. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Foothills. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I'm originally <laughs> from uh, New Jersey. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, and you're in South Carolina now? I do live in South Carolina now. Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia. Okay. Settled down there. So. <laughs> uh, that's the capital of South Carolina, isn't it? It is. Columbia, South Carolina. I don't think yes. a lot of people know that. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Okay. 
So, um, yes. So I I prefer in person everything. Okay. Audiences, learning, interviews, um, meetings with. I do planned giving consulting. Okay. Planned giving fundraising. Yes. So I much prefer to meet donors in person. Okay. But a lot of times, phone has to suffice. Mm-hmm. And for the older folks that I'm working with, they're usually not interested in being on Zoom. Right. They'll do it for their grandchildren. Right. But they're not going to do it for me. Right. Which is fine. So we, I pick up the phone. I got gotcha. you. Uh, but I'd rather be in person if, when mm. I, whenever I can. Whenever uh, I can. May I ask something? That- again? <laughs> after, after my first answer to the last question? You're still going to ask again. Well, yes. this is not a question. It's yes. not a question. But as far <laughs> as far as baby boomers and the traditionalists, I also recommend um, providing an option for them to call. That's what reminded me. For, uh, uh, providing them an option for them to call the the training consultant, whoever's doing the training, in case they have questions. Um, if there is a phone available, a phone number, because oftentimes with technology, you know, we want them to email if they have questions or send a message. But with those two generations, they prefer to pick up the phone or if there's an option to meet in person. Not sure if that is possible, but um, at least a phone option would be great. Better than email or, mm-hmm. or text. It makes yes. perfect sense. It's what they grew up with. Exactly. Uh, and, it's, and email and text are what the other generations grew up with. Exactly. Okay. So follow up phone offer a phone follow-up all right yeah anything else for dealing with <laughs> boomers traditionalists not right now <laughs> okay what if or maybe we're going to get to this what if, yeah all right so you are we going to be talking about having multiple generations like in the same class yes yeah, yeah. like you said pair off exactly somebody younger with somebody older okay exactly okay yeah so one of my um suggestions is to um in your training plan, look at the learning styles of all these t- generations, figure out what is best or how um, each of them learn best, and just implement various little nuggets that meet the needs of all of the generations. That is my suggestion. Instead so, of... Mm-hmm. like what? Like, give me some sample nuggets. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so, for the... Let's start Let's start at the top. So, if for the... Um, for the traditionalists and for the baby boomers, like I said earlier, you may want to have a, um, a printout of the step-by-step guides. For the uh, Gen Xers, they love independent work. So for the activities to reinforce that learning, if you have some independent work, that would be helpful. Um, okay. For the millennials, they also enjoy group work. And so after the session, if we have some group work, that would be great. And um, we can reinforce their learning, too, by pairing them up with someone who's a bit older and helping to strengthen both groups. And then for the Gen Zs, they love um, videos, training videos. Three to six minutes is the sweet spot. Videos of three to six minutes, because remember, this is the generation that goes to YouTube for answers to almost anything. And so um, videos will be great. And so um, if we can have um, trainings and then implement just little pieces that mm, are catering to the various generations inside of the learning plan or the training plan, that would be ideal. Okay, so take a hybrid approach. Exactly. Touch everybody with what they need. Exactly. And, and this is all research-based? Yes, we know all research-based. We know that Gen Z does much better exactly. in three to six-minute videos. Yes, yes. And for those okay. who have Sorry. attended the um, Intang conference this year, the um, learning materials and my slides with the references are online. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they can pull that up. Walk in your talk. <laughs> all right. Yes. All right. Um, what else? Other other techniques mm. uh, across the generations? We got plenty of time together. Yeah. What okay. Else? So let's go with um, the Gen Xers. They really enjoy um, being active, and so their activities—if they can be active—that would be ideal. Um, any type of gaming that would be great too. So um, in their activities, if they can get up and move, if it's in person or if it's virtual, let's set up a a way that the activities can help them to just be active and implement um, what they are learning that's key so active meaning they get up out of their seats oh yeah that's a good let me clarify is that what you mean let me clarify yeah so um, for active 
you could get out of your seat, but in activity. So what I like to do is say, for instance, you have a um, an activity plan for them to, let's say I used to work at our local United Way, uh, United Way of the Midlands in Columbia, South Carolina, and I taught the homeless management information system to about 200 um, users, right? And so what I like to do is after their new user trainings, I would email them a task sheet for them to complete their tasks. And once they um, finish that task sheet, go ahead and send me their work and I'll look over it. So that is a way for them to be active. Now, depending on the resources that your agency have, you may have um some gaming um, strategies or, or tools. My agencies did not have that, so we work with what we have. Um, but that is a way just for them to be um, to be actively doing something and to okay. reinforce the learning that has taken place. It's time for a break. Stop the drop with DonorBox. It's the online donation platform used by over fifty thousand fifty thousand nonprofits in 96 countries. It's no wonder. It's four times faster checkout, easy payment processing, no setup fees, no monthly fees, no contract. How many potential donors drop off before they finish making the donation on your website? You can stop the drop. DonorBox, helping you help others. DonorBox.org. Now back to multi-generational technology teaching with Lauren Hopkins. What about uh, Gen Z? Anything, anything <laughs> further, further yeah. for Gen Z besides the video? Yeah, just for Z, for Gen Zs and for millennials. One thing to note is that they love um, learning management systems or LMSs, as most people um, know them as. Well, I have drug and jail on nonprofit radio. <laughs> So I'm glad you opened with learning management system, not LMS. Yes. I would have to call you out and say, what the hell is an LMS? Yes. Right. Um, so the LMS are the learning management system that have a feel of social media. All right. So if we have a discussion board, if we um, have some sections that just feel like social media, that you can put together a post or, or um share a, a tidbit or a tip of the day that just feels like social media that would be helpful now if your agency does not have those type of resources that is okay another thing that is helpful especially for the millennials is if there is a blog for um for this generation really enjoy blogs and so if there's a blog where you as a trainer can introduce some tips so say for instance every week or two you do a tips thursday or tips tuesday or whatnot and in introduce or um post a a tip for them to be utilizing the system that would be that would be um great also okay mm-hmm okay. And another but, thing as well, yeah, um, remember <laughs> remember that with these videos, we have to have somewhere to store them, right? And so one thing that I do, well, a couple things that I suggest, um, finding a mutual place where we can store the videos, be it your um, the LMS, or maybe it's a site that is open where you can store those, um, those videos, the screen share videos. That could be helpful as well. Um, and also, I'm not sure if it's possible, but, but depending on your agency, if your company has a, a, a company YouTube, see if it's possible where you can um, record the screen of some trainings. Just making sure that it's not any um, confidential information on the screens, but see if we can store it on there. And remember too, that the videos should be between three to six minutes. Um, if, if, you, if that's not possible, 20 minutes or less, but the sweet spot is three to six three minutes. Six. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yes. Um, what, what kinds of, uh, you already had your session. <laughs> I did. So what kinds of what kinds of questions were you getting? Yeah. So I got a couple questions. One question that we got was for the baby boomers and for the um, 
traditionalists. If they are in this um, in the classroom, and um, we and we cannot implement in-person trainings, how do we teach them? What's the best way? And so, one thing that I really enjoy doing, um, especially with training software, is for those generations, I really like to do one-on-one trainings. I love to do one-on-one trainings, and so what I offer them is let's meet one-on-one. Now, in my um, in my work experience, we always use Teams, and so we, oh wait, and I've also um, I use some others too, but mainly Teams. But let's go ahead and share your screen. And what I like for them to do also is for them to drive the training. So I don't. I always prefer if the learners, no matter what the generation is, if the learners will um, share their screen and and drive, and I will teach them as they practice. Drive meaning what? They, mm. they decide what the topics are. And, oh yeah, I mean, let you me have clarify. A training, you have a training agenda. Yes, we have a training you have agenda. To get through exactly. So let's say, for instance, I am teaching um, a staff member at a local shelter how to check a client into a bed using a particular software. Um, What I'm going to do as the trainer, if this is their first day, I'm going to ask them to log into the system, be it the live system or a training system, somewhere they can mess up in and practice or whatnot, and share their screen. I'll give them a login, share their screen, and I will teach them, all right, this is where you go to enter in the client's name. Okay, go ahead and do that. All right, next we're going to click on such and such. Okay, go ahead and do that. Um, and so that's what I mean by driving. So letting oh, them okay. um, mm-hmm, letting them um, navigate and, and play around and see what it feels like. Okay. Also, um, I do enjoy and I do suggest rather having step-by-step guides like I've mentioned before. Right. Right. But if your agency does not have that or you don't have time to create it or whatnot, because we do know that a lot of nonprofits, they have a smaller staff and such or you know smaller departments so that's okay make sure you that you give your learners no matter what the generation time to write notes um and write notes during the trainings and so make sure that you know you're taking their time your time and and can write um allowing them to write some notes that that is a huge tip any other valuable questions you got oh yeah let's see here i did have a question about um Oh, confidential information. Um, Someone asked me a question about um, confidential information and sharing, not sharing the confidential information, but what if it is a part of the new software? Let's say that it is an electronic health health record that your agency is implementing. And so one of my suggestions is to just ensure that the company, that you know the company's policies and what can be shared during training and what should be only shared, you know, in, in the real world. And so that that is um, that is huge. Someone said that oftentimes that is a question. Should we be sharing this or whatnot? So that's my suggestion to just um, look at your company's policies as far as the training. Or if y'all don't have that, um, go ahead and implement something. What should be shared during these trainings? What can be shared? Or if we need to go ahead and make up some dummy data right. beforehand. You may, you may a dummy database. Mm-hmm. Something you can mess yes. up in like you said. Exactly. You said. Okay. Yep. And then sometimes with some databases, um, if there's not a dummy database maybe that we can make up some data in the live one and just delete it it just depends okay mm-hmm. or uh, redact it or something exactly like take out birthday exactly like yeah oh, okay. yeah okay. so we that that's part of the pre-planning process now you were gonna have folks uh practice designing yes. strategies now how did you oh. we, we can't practice here but <laughs> how did you set folks up to oh. It was their so great. Yeah. So what I went ahead and did, I created five different scenarios of um, agencies that are implementing a training, a tech training. And so what we did is we went our, around the room and we split up the individuals and um, they went ahead and I created, I pre-created objectives for the scenarios, for the, for the training plan. And they... Um, put in place some activities for them and then also that could be mm, that could be used to to teach the information and then a skills check 
activity. So how can we ensure that the learner has um, understands the information? Yeah. And so it went really well. And then after that, after um, after the groups, we probably spent 15, 18 minutes or so. And then the various groups went around and shared with the entire um, and with the entire class their ideas one to two minutes but they gave us some um some fresh ideas that they have utilized in the past and then um as they've been as they were working in the team how they brainstormed it went really well now skills check sounds to me like a euphemism for test <laughs> yeah well it doesn't have to be though it does not have okay. to be a quiz okay. it could be say that um that task sheet that i was telling you about earlier do this do this yeah. and then once you finish these tasks send me say the client number or the client id and i will check it out i'll check it out before you get access to the live site okay i, okay. I really like to do that or it could be um just do this worksheet and go ahead and write down the responses oftentimes too with these skills checks they don't need to turn them into you now if you want them to and that could be an evaluation part or evaluation strategy for you as the trainer to make sure okay are folks really learning what they need to learn but sometimes it's a way for them to just practice mm-hmm what did you learn in your session? You know, what? yeah, that's a good question. I Finally. <laughs> fi- 23 minutes in, de- <laughs> decent question comes out of this guy. I love it. But, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so. Yeah, what did you take away? Yeah. My takeaway was that I really, through that activity of the scenarios and them creating a training plan, I actually came came away and walked away with some good ideas um, that I could actually use in the workplace or share with others. And um, well, like what? Yeah. What? So um, let's see here. Oh, one particular group they stated that they would have a hybrid training. So to meet the needs of all of the generations, they would introduce a hybrid training instead. So virtual for some and then in-person for others. Um, that'll be really helpful. Also making sure that we have a um, the step-by-step guides um, uh, available. That is really good. Um, I did have, a, if I could go back to the one question yeah. that you stated yeah. about... Um, about the questions that some folks asked yeah, me. Of course. So one thing that um, someone came up to me afterward, they stated that they work for um, a they work for Salesforce and they train um, uh, the Salesforce, Salesforce software with different agencies. And because Salesforce can be so customizable, she was wanting to know what are some suggestions or what is a suggestion that you have for the step-by-step guide piece, especially for some of the older generations or even um, the video piece also. Because sometimes you don't want to create too many videos because the screens may change because it is customizable. And so, um, and I did ask her, I said, okay, well, do you have relationships with these individuals? And she said, yeah, so um, so she's not just going in one day and then just leaving. So over time, I did encourage her to just get to know the learners, um, try to figure out what their needs are, and to create a video for that agency, specifically for that agency. That may be helpful. And then as the software changes, she may need to um, recreate a video, but yeah. hopefully that'll last a little bit for, you know, once they've been, you know, customized, their screens have been customized a bit. But that is one suggestion. She said that was very helpful. Um, so, we, you know, she may not, she said she did not have time to do the step-by-step written out guides. So that's okay. Um, but let's see if we could do some videos. And because the video should be three to six minutes, she said that maybe, oh, maybe I could do some um, short videos depending on the topic and go ahead and create those and share them with the agency. Mm-hmm. All right, Lauren. Um, you want to leave us with some uh, uplifting thoughts about you know why it's important to yeah. uh, be uh, all inclusive in your in your training it really is well thank you and thank yeah. you for the opportunity so 
This subject matter is very close to my heart. I really enjoy training and especially those of the older generation. Um, no offense, but baby boomers and, oh, no. and the traditionalists. Yeah, um, they're actually my favorite generation to teach. And I think oftentimes as we're thinking about technology, we sometimes leave out um, Gen Xers, uh, baby boomers and the traditionalists and we sort of forget about those learning needs now um, I did not share this and you might not you might know but I actually have a doctorate in curriculum and instruction I and did not so, yes, uh, okay. doctor, yes. Or doctor, so it's Dr. Lauren <laughs> that's okay right. and so right. um, so training and learning is just very close to my heart so yeah. just remember that no matter what the generation is um, just please keep in mind their learning needs and that they if they're in the classroom they might be forced to be in the classroom, depending on their jobs, but they all have various learning needs and they have um, they have value at the agency. And we need yeah, to equip them with the tools to be um, successful. We really do. And so um, so it's just been it's it's been very, very good. It's been a good experience. And I really hope that folks can take some of this information and use it at their workplaces and in their communities. And at the very, very least, it rages consciousness. Yes. That you need to be aware, sensitive to the different values, the different learning styles, Absolutely. learning needs of everybody yes. who's in your workplace. You really uh, do. Not just the, uh, the folks who are new to the organization or not just the folks who are of a certain yes. age, uh, of a certain age, of course. So raising, you know, the, the very best. I mean, you're going way beyond just consciousness raising. You have right. a lot of very good ideas too, but greater consciousness is like is a yes. first step. Absolutely. So, all right. Absolutely. And one other thing, if you don't mind, oh, yeah, yeah. the you brought up a good point in saying beyond the the new user training, the initial training. Mm-hmm. Remember that just because the users of any generation has completed the new user training does not mean that they don't need ongoing training. So we want to remember that and make that a part of the overall training plan for ongoing That's training. supporting our staff. Absolutely. The internal professional development. Absolutely. Support staff. People want to feel supported. Otherwise, they quiet quit. Yes. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. I would like to put something on the record that I am a very young baby boomer. <laughs> 61. That's born good. born in 1962. Yes, of course. So, very among the youngest of all the baby boomers <laughs> is me. I just wanted to, on the record. All right. I love it. Dr. Lauren Hopkins. Dr. <laughs> yes. Lauren Hopkins, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. <laughs> she is social impact consultant at Prepared to Impact LLC. And thank you for being with me for our 20 our 2023 Nonprofit Technology Conference coverage, where we are sponsored by Heller Consulting, technology strategy and implementation for nonprofits. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Hello. Who can you share nonprofit radio with? Maybe it's among your friends, your colleagues, who on your board should listen. At least, who on your board would you like to have listen? First step is you got to share the show with them. Or uh, who did you used to work with that you're still willing to talk to? Could you by chance mention nonprofit radio on your LinkedIn or Twitter? Mastodon? I'd be grateful. If you tag me, I will certainly give you a shout out. And I thank you very much for thinking about who you could share nonprofit radio with and then sharing nonprofit radio. Thanks very much. That is Tony's take two. We've got just about a buttload more time. Here is Goals Aligned with Technology. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 23NTC. You know what that is. You know it's the 2023 Nonprofit Technology Conference, that it's hosted by N10, and that we are in Denver, Colorado. We are hosted by Heller Consulting, Technology Strategy and Implementation for Nonprofits. And from Heller, with me now is Jet Winders. 
Director of Sales at Heller Consulting. Jet, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Thank you for having me, Tony. Pleasure. Absolutely. Your session topic is how to align your nonprofit's goals with technology. That's right. Why is this an important session? Why do we need this? Yeah, you know, for so many organizations and certainly for tech enthusiasts at a conference like this, sometimes we geek out on the technology and want to jump straight to what system or what tool are we going to use? And it's really important to step back and think about what is the goal of using that tool? So what is your nonprofit's goals to even start with? And then align that with the technology because the technology is always advancing something the organization is trying to do. Right. The technology is advancing. Presumably your, your mission certainly is stable. Your goals are going to evolve to achieve, uh, achieving that mission. But so we need to align these moving parts, basically. That's right. You know, nonprofits, they spend a lot of time building strategic plans and they'll outline, you know, what those North Star goals are and then what those specific levers they're going to pull, you know, whether that's increasing fundraising or awareness or patient outcomes. Those are the goals that the technology is driving towards. The goal is never, let's adopt a new tool just for the sake of doing it. So uh, I'm taking from your, uh, from your learning objectives, uh, identifying technology strategies and how those affect software solution. So what, we, what kind of technology strategies are we talking about? Yeah, you know, sometimes we talk about uh, a, an organization's, you know, approach to technology. How do they adopt it? What type of relationship do they want to have with it? So for some organizations, that might mean we want to be the most innovative in the field. We're okay taking risks if it's going to allow us to be a first mover or advance something or show the sector something they haven't done before. While others might be, you know, uh, we have to be conservative with our dollars. We want to do something that's tried and true. We want to do what uh, is proven in the space already. And so we want to do what our peers are doing. That's a totally different relationship with how you might approach technology and the tools you might adopt. And and that is just, you know, a sort of a philosophy that different organizations adopt that can have an impact on what technology they ultimately select. Okay. Um, have you done your session yet? No, it's to, it's on Thursday. Okay. okay. So walk us through How are you going through it with your, uh, in your session? How are you approaching yeah. this? Yeah. So uh, first, uh, what I like to get organizations to imagine is that changing technology is actually part of a broader operational change within the organization. And whenever you change technology, uh, your business processes also have to change along with that. And your people also have to change, whether that's simply training to use the new tools, or it could be new roles and responsibilities based on those tools. And so you want to put in contact in context, a technology change with the broader impact that it's going to have to try to make that change. The other way I like to get organizations to think about it is that, you know, the technology is always advancing those broader goals within the organization. And so we want you to think through the impact that you're trying to make first and always be starting with that impact messaging rather than you know, again, getting into the nitty gritty of what tools we're going to change and systems we're going to change. We need to be centering the impact that it's going to have at the organization for us to actually sell and make that plan for what we're going to adopt and what tools we're going to move forward. Okay. Yeah. Centering the impact, right. Not centering the tools or not not focusing on the tools. Um, What, what, is there a method of, I think you have a method of, um, you know, assessing different options, information systems options, you say. What, what, what's, what's that assessment part about? Yeah, we take folks through a uh, roadmap methodology that starts with, you know, real strategic discovery to understand what organizations are trying to accomplish, uh, you know, get those specific requirements of what do these tools need to do. It's not about tool functionality. It's about what do staff actually need to be able to accomplish in their day-to-day roles. And then from those types of requirements, build out what you need these systems to accomplish for you. So what role will those 
technology systems play within the organization, and then only then start to put specific names to what those tools are. And that's where you might actually go out to the vendors at the conference to start to fill in, you know, we need a tool that's going to do this for our organization. Well, let's find what tool that is. And, you know, the way technology has changed over the years, there's so many options out there, you know, whether you're going to take an approach that's based on a platform and build and customize it to meet all those requirements, or if you're going to try to find more highly specialized tools and uh, take on the sort of integration requirements of using, you know, tools from different vendors. So there's not one size fits all anymore of I just need a tool that does X. You really have to think through that broader approach and put the pieces together and make sure it's all going to add up to, you know, those those goals and outcomes you described at the very beginning. What about the the difference between the like sort of the all-inclusive like a, like a blackboard solution or Salesforce versus smaller apps that do different things like accounts payable or there's an accounts payable vendor behind me, um, behind us. We're in the, yeah. the same book behind us. Um, or, or something else does, you know, is a fundraising CRM. Is, if, if, you're, if you're trying to center the goals, does, does, does one, does a one, one size fits all system like that really makes sense? Yeah, or, well, one or can uh, it? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe, I'm, maybe that's such a neophyte question. I don't know. No, it's, it's but, a great question because you are centering the goals and then you also want to look at your organization's relationship with technology. So that is that example I, I shared about whether you're an innovator or you want to do best practices. You know, these are sort of guiding principles on what your relationship is with technology. Another example might be um, we want to build up our own internal capacity to manage tools and systems with a strong IT and operations department. Where another organization might say, we're first and foremost fundraisers and program managers, and we're going to leverage experts outside of our organization to manage our technology. So that's two totally different relationships with technology. So when you start to decide on your own guiding principles at the organization on what your relationship with technology will be, that can then help you answer that question of whether it makes sense to use a platform where you're going to be responsible for maintaining the integrations and maintaining the customizations, or we're going to look to a single vendor who's going to provide multiple tools in the ecosystem because we're going to use them as our experts and, and not keep that internal expertise. Is there a case study or story that you can share? Yeah, tomorrow I'll be highlighting you know three different examples of oh, organizations that we worked with and, and took them through this process. And so you know for uh, one organization, uh, they were really focusing on uh, having tools that were easy for their users to use. They needed to look across the organization to a platform that could support five different departments within the organization, um, and they uh, were prepared to take on managing that platform, but didn't want to build it all out from scratch. And so that organization chose Salesforce as a solution that had built some of the purpose-built mission tools that they needed uh, on their platform already. Working with another organization. Well, wait, oh, yeah. on the Salesforce yeah, organization, absolutely. What, like, what kind of outcomes did they see that you think they would not have, uh, they would not have gained if they had done is the way it's typically done or you know focused on focusing on the technology instead of their mission and goals yeah i think the approach that they might have taken that i in my opinion would have been a mistake would be to look at each of these departments in the organization individually so they'd be looking okay. at uh you know their programs and uh mission support separately from fundraising separately from finance they might have each submitted an rfp focused on what are the requirements for each of that department and they might have chosen different systems based on in a vacuum what looked best for that department and then none of it would work together and IT would never be able to support it they'd never get any good analysis of of how information is actually flowing within the organization okay 
right. I kept you from uh, another story. Well, yeah. Well, in uh, in contrast, uh, another organization really uh, was looking at efficiency. You know, they were in that state of having different uh, systems which, within each of the departments, and their IT department recognized that uh, they couldn't support the different systems that had been chosen independently by different departments. And so they really focused on uh, having a centralized IT structure that could manage and develop solutions on behalf of all of these different departments. They chose Microsoft as a platform because it was an extension of expertise that they already had. They're already using uh, Microsoft in some areas of the organization and then building on that. So they have a core competency now as an organization on Microsoft and are able to hire for those roles and maintain solutions across the organization that are sharing from that platform. If you're centering your goals, there's a lot of organizational introspection that's got to happen first. So are you are you looking to your strategic plan, I guess, if if you've got one that's current? I mean, how does this how does this exercise take place before you start talking about technology solutions. That's right. You know, one or, of the, and where also like, is it? Is it C-suite conversations? Is it down at the user level? You know, so please, where also? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we start working with clients, it's amazing how much work has usually already been put into defining those types of broader organizational, you know, goals. You know, what those okay. strategic plans are. Those are often already, you know, they're year three of a 10-year strategic plan, and they may or may not be on track to achieve some of those lofty goals that got put out there. So, you know, technology is really downstream to support those goals. And we're often, you know, when we're working with uh, somebody in operations or in IT, kind of forcing them to dig up that that document and and confirm like yeah this is still the path the organization is is on that's what we're trying to accomplish so that we can put our recommendations in context of what the whole organization is doing yeah okay okay um and you had a third story yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I shared uh, an example of a Salesforce platform and a Microsoft platform. We yeah. worked with another organization that actually left Salesforce, um, really recognized that managing that platform was too much for the organization. They did not want to keep the in-house staff to uh, manage that. Uh, they wanted to focus on uh, fundraising, but, you know, didn't really have the internal capacity to, you know, select apps or integrate with, you know, other online tools. And so they actually went to a purpose-built solution. They went to Virtuous uh, that happened to have a lot of you know, features and functionality out of the box for them with an easy onboarding process and a lot less ongoing maintenance and cost for them in the long run. And so uh, there's no, you know, perfect solution for everybody out there. It's really about aligning what you need, you know, to work with and the tool and and finding what's going to be the right fit for you. Do you have some recommendations about evaluating different uh, solutions that you might have, you might identify. Okay, they they fit your 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 stated goals. Uh, how do we make the make the decision? Yeah, well, one thing I discourage folks from doing is focusing on the the old demo with organizations. You yeah. know, uh, when we talk with folks, that's almost the first things that they go to. You know, they want to see demos of a bunch of different products, and the demos only offer a limited insight into some of the usability, you know, how user-friendly something might be. Uh, it, they, Plus, they, these people are flying through the screens. Yeah, they don't you could really never replicate you. it. You could never replicate it five minutes after it was shown to you. That's right. It doesn't give you the full perspective. And so, you know, what we really encourage folks to, to think through, you know, once you've done that sort of identifying your goals, understanding what types of tools might be appropriate based on how you want to approach and use technology, then, you know, actually identify systems and platforms that could meet those goals. Sometimes there's only one, or maybe sometimes there's one or two with big contrasts between them. You can actually do a lot more groundwork in understanding whether those are going to be a fit for you or not before you actually see the product. Seeing the product is just that kind of final confirmation to see how it works and get a little more familiar so with it. So how do you do this groundwork in your evaluation? How do you, yeah, how do, what do you do before the demo? Yeah, so from 
from your discovery effort and developing the requirements, the critical step is prioritizing those requirements against the goal. So, you know, when you ask people what they need or what they want to be able to do, you'll hear tons and tons of different things. And so the real critical period is prioritization of what is going to be mission critical for that fundraising strategy that's going to get you double fundraising in three years or what's that critical uh, requirement that's going to allow you to analyze whether you know multiple you know, whether one of your program participants is actually participating in three programs so that you can actually see that rather than it being siloed data in separate program databases so prioritizing what's critical for you allows you to then look at different technology approaches and systems and narrow them down before you ever get to the, the demos. What else do you have planned for your audience tomorrow that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, you know, the last exercise I'll, I'll talk folks through um, is one way to map out your systems in sort of a pre-work to any technology selection is to track what data is coming in to the organization, where that data is stored, how it's being used by different individuals, and what other data folks would want and need. You know, sometimes a mistake that we see organizations make is they just think, all data is good. We want to capture as much of it as possible. But that's actually not the case. You really want to understand what data you're already getting and where it is, but also what data you need to make critical decisions and who needs to use it and when. Because having that kind of map of where your data is, how you're going to use it, and what you need is really a lens that we can use to look at these technology systems of whether it's going to support that or not. Mm. Okay. Okay. Anything else planned for tomorrow? I don't. I don't want you holding out on no. nonprofit radio listeners. Nope. I, I what think else, what you've else got. Gonna, we're going to talk about tomorrow. Anything? I think you've oh. got the highlights for sure. Okay. Okay. He's Jet Winders, director of sales, at Heller Consulting, which is our twenty-three NTC sponsor, technology strategy and implementation for nonprofits. Jet, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. And thank you for being with Tony Martin at the Nonprofit Radio coverage of 23NTC, the 2023 Nonprofit Technology Conference. Next week, equitable project management and make time for professional development. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by DonorBox. With intuitive fundraising software from DonorBox, your donors give four times faster. Helping you help others, check out DonorBox.org. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs> <laughs>